The Charlotte Hornets have one of the most intriguing young cores with a lot of pieces, but not sure what to do with it. What should they do going forward? I'm going to break that down coming up on Locked On NBA Big Board. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? My name is Richard Stamen. You might know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, I'm media credentialed in college basketball. I go to all the TCU games. That's my my hub for college basketball. Also go around the country and go to combines and events and things like that. Credentialed uh, for a lot of stuff, NBA draft and college basketball related. Trying to expand in high school, uh, potentially maybe even up to the NBA. But for now, just kind of the farm system. But want to thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen of the day. You probably listen for Rafael Barlow who is out on paternity leave. Uh, so congratulations to him. He'll be back soon, uh, probably next week, maybe the week after, not sure. But in the meantime, I'm filling in also with draft dummies and leave to lean. So for today, I want to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. I say that as I am wearing a Charlotte Hornets shirt, which by the way, if you're on YouTube, thank you very much for subscribing, watching, all that. It means a lot to us as we're growing. If you're not on YouTube, it would mean a lot if you could just you know, hit the subscribe button, the usual like, subscribe, share, all the all the fun stuff. Uh, we're actually in a little locked on competition uh, where we're trying to climb the ranks on most subscribed locked on channel. Locked on Mavs is number one, locked on Celtics and Lakers is number two and three or something. We don't expect to catch them, but we want to make our presence known in the top 10. So it would mean a lot. If you could just hit subscribe, you never have to check back or anything. Just hit, let us get those metrics up and climb that leaderboard. It would mean a lot. So I say this, all of this stuff about the Charlotte Hornets as I wear a James Book Knight. I don't think you can really see it without me fully standing up, and I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I'm wearing a James Book Knight shirt right now. Um, and actually, if I remove the overlay, it really doesn't do anything, actually. So the Hornets are in a weird situation. They have a lot of young talent. Their last coach, James Borrego, didn't really develop the young talent. Uh, they have some pieces that face legal trouble. I think that's something that is definitely a cloud over them uh, with the whole Miles Bridges uh, situation. I know Montrez Harrell uh, at one point, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I feel like I should have just stopped there because I can't even remember if Harrell finished with the Wizards or uh, or the Hornets in my basketball reference page. It doesn't want me to click on his name. Uh, and yeah, he finished. Uh, he hasn't been there. In, uh, in a, actually, no, excuse me. He did finish there. So disregarding that, regardless, Miles Bridges will stop at that. Miles Bridges faces legal trouble, which opens up a door for a lot of these guys, actually. So let's start with James Booknight. He, if you followed me last year, I was probably too high on him. Uh, it's still too early to say, but I, I guess I had him number five. I, I don't see him being the fifth best player in this draft. He would have to have an explosive second year, but generally the fifth best player, they're good in their first year too. Uh, so I'm probably taking an L on that, but I still do think he can be a good player. His talent is oozing. With James Booknight, you look at a guy who, in theory, could be a three-level scorer, can facilitate a little bit, should be able to hold his own defensively, not be anything special, definitely not a lockdown guy, but you hope he's not a defensive liability. And with bringing in Steve Clifford, I think if you're trying, Steve Clifford's in a play. Uh, that's why Michael Carter-Williams was actually a good player before he got hurt in Orlando. He revived his career under him. Uh, it's not at all the same player, but... You look at just the type of player. If you have a motor, you're going to stick in with Steve Clifford. So I'm curious to see how James Booknight does that. But with the guard competition, they would have to clear out some spots for him to really be able to play. I mean, Terry Rozier and 
Lamella Ball dominate the the minutes at that at the guard position. Granted, a lot of those are together, so some of those backup minutes should open. But we haven't seen James Booknight in action in a while. And when he did play last season, it was a lot of garbage time minutes. He looked really cool a lot of the times doing it. Like he is flashy. That was a big reason I, I liked him a lot because I think he can create highlights. And while that is good for like social media and stuff, the factor on with the on court element of that is that he can create for himself, make advanced plays because the advanced plays are the flashy highlights, right? But like, and it, a lot of times it's within the system. What he needs to do or the flow of the offense, what a lot of times what he needs to do going forward is he needs to kind of iron that out and make sure that he's doing the right, making the right decisions consistently and not just going for a highlight play because he can uh, and just kind of keep it within the flow of the game. I think that'll actually help him a lot for at least now. And then maybe down the road, he can get a little bit better at that. But James Booknight faces an uphill battle. I think having Bryce McGowan's be drafted also hurt. He's granted he's on a two way, but he's a six, seven guard who does a lot of the same things. You're not going to see a ton out of him defensively. At best, he kind of holds his own, doesn't really lock anybody down, but he has some defensive issues to work out. I personally think he outplays his two way contract. I really wanted him in Dallas at 37. Thought he's was a steal. Um, I forget what pick he was picked at, but uh, I really like his game. Think it's six seven. You have a lot of the similarities of flashy creator, athletic, uh, can get to the rim, draws fouls, and I think that stuff translates. So uh, ultimately, he's going to outplay his two way contract, in my opinion. But what is the fate of James Booknight? Is the is the hot question in Charlotte because he missed summer league with an injury. He didn't really play last year. He's got a good size. He's six five one ninety. Obviously, still needs to add some weight. Um, did have some flashes throughout the year, but I mean, his stat line was nothing because he played 10 minutes a game, four and a half points a game on 35% shooting. So it was really bad. Um, for me, I want to see him just get in, get in the game, play 15 minutes a game, up it a little bit in actual 15 minutes. Not like, hey, try you in the second quarter. All right, five minutes, it didn't work. Game's a blowout now in the fourth quarter. Let's just play in the full fourth quarter. It's happened before. I'd like to see him graduate from that. That's a huge step, which it sounds like such an easy thing. I don't know. Um, for me, that's that's a big question mark still because the injury really slows him down. Injuries really suck for young players. They suck for anybody, but like young players trying to break the course, they need that. So I'm interested to see how Steve Clifford does with him because uh, if you remember James Booknight and James Borrego, I mean, it was very public that they didn't like each other. I mean, James Booknight, if I'm not mistaken, he wouldn't check in. He was yelling at him like on the sidelines, pretty much cussing him out. Not a good look for either party uh, in that. So hopefully the coaching change helps. The problem is, and this is going to be an overarching theme on everybody I talk about in this, is Steve Clifford doesn't have much of a better track record of developing young players. He kind of did in Orlando, I guess. But like he's the same way Rick Carlisle is good at maximizing role players. It's not really developing players. Maximizing role players who are 26, 27 is a lot easier, I think, than developing a 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 21. Somebody who's still in their early rookie contract and learning the NBA, not only on court and practice and, and games, uh, excuse me, like plays and everything, but also just the lifestyle. I don't know behind the scenes that stuff, but he hasn't exactly had a track record of developing players at a high, high level. James Borrego was very not fond of high, of young players. So I'm interested to see what happens on that. Um, personally, I don't think it was a great development hire. I think, you know, they want to win. I think their defense is going to take a big jump next year. 
which is good for most of their rotation players. I personally don't think Lamelo Ball is a terrible defender. I think it kind of sucks. Miles Bridges, if he had stayed out of legal trouble, could have fit really well because I love his game on court. But unfortunately, he's uh, from everything we know, he's a, not a good person. So I'm not not really going to factor him into this. And I, I don't see him playing in the NBA this year uh, if he gets found guilty. So uh, that's something that, you know, innocent until guilty. So I'm not going to judge that. But something to keep an eye on that is a cloud hanging over his head. But the rotation players will see an increase in defensive production. I think you're going to see lineups with Kelly Oubre. Lamella Ball is not a bad defender. I mean, Jalen McDaniels will probably get in there. Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington. Some of those guys I think are really talented. Uh, they are a little bit thin. If any of those guys go down, they're relying on young players now. So not really sure what happens on that front. They may trade Hayward. Uh, who knows? They may add guard depth that they don't trust any of the young players. But James Booknight really does have an opportunity because the roster's thin. Maybe he gets in as the third guard, which in this case, the Hornets started Mello and Rozier a lot. Uh, that would put James Booknight as a backup point guard that plays real minutes or backup shooting guard, however they want to play him, would help him a ton. So interested to see what happens with James Booknight. Uh, I want to talk about some of the bigs as well. The bigs are really intriguing. Kai Jones, uh, JT Thor, Mark Williams. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are develop, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. I actually had one today, so I, I can confirm this. And guess what? There's a new flavor. It's ready. Are you ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. You get all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it is healthy for you. They're only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. So run to Built.com right now to snag a box for yourself and the family, or just for yourself, or uh, you and your roommate, anything like that. It'll be the perfect treat just to keep in the pantry. You can find a really good hiding spot for them if you want to hoard them for yourself. But like all Built Bars, the new Cookie dough chunk puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a white, fluffy texture. It is so good. They send a package to us, all the locked-on hosts, and it is absolutely delicious. What's great about Bill is all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. You eat something that tastes you eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late-night treat, or just grab a quick bite, Builds is the perfect protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar. Grab yourself a Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15. So I want to continue talking uh, about the Charlotte Hornets and their pretty, honestly, I think it's fascinating, their future, because they have a blend of some rotation players just kind of going down the list. Uh, they have Gordon Hayward's been in the 12, uh, or excuse me, veteran players. Gordon Hayward's been in the league 12 years. Mason Plumlee, nine. Kelly Oubre entering year seven. Uh, Terry Rozier, seven as well. P.J. Washington entering the end of his rookie contract. Jalen McDaniel, same draft class. LaMelo Ball is actually already halfway to free agency. It's kind of crazy to think he was drafted uh, not even three full years ago, but he's already in year three. And uh, that went, or excuse me, not even two full years ago. He was drafted in November of 2020. And He's already entering year three. It's been a very heavy, hectic, I should say, uh, year or career for him so far. A lot of games and a little bit of time, but they have a lot of young players too. Uh, you look at Nick Richards 
Uh, I mean, then going down the line of bigs, I mean, the bigs are really where you see it. I mean, again, PJ Washington is on the end of his rookie contract. That's going to be a big domino for what they do. You also have Kai Jones, first round pick last year out of Texas, JT Thor, second round pick last year out of Auburn, Mark Williams, first round pick out of Duke. So this begs the question, what do the Hornets do at center? Um, You've got Mason Plumlee, who is definitely the starting center. P.J. Washington will play probably power forward. He was at times small ball five, but now I'm wondering, what do they do with these other guys? Let's start with Mark Williams. He's the first one. He's definitely going to get minutes. I think he's the primary backup center. If Mason Plumlee gets traded, I, I can see an avenue where he's probably the first one next in line. I think he's probably the best year to like this year player, excuse me, of the, the four guys that are in the mix. That's Nick Richards, Kai Jones, JT Thor, and Mark Williams. I think Mark Williams is the best player of the four. So for me, I think he's going to be the first one because he's going to defend the rim. He's going to be great in the pick and roll with Lamella Ball. I mean, all of this is a backup I'm talking about. And I think he's going to be an underrated passer. I think especially you look at dribble handoffs, you look at how he's going to read plays from the top, read defenses from the top of the key. I think all of that is really valuable. And for a young team, it's almost a connecting piece as a center. So wouldn't shock me if he slides into the starting center role. What's going to be the big domino is do they kind of sell because they're in a weird situation. This is a great time to tank by accident almost. I know it's like a forbidden word in the NBA, but um, you look at the the possibilities of who they could trade. They could move uh, Gordon Hayward. He could definitely be gone. P.J. Washington, if they decide they don't want to pay him, he could be out the window. So um, he's somebody to also look at as potentially uh, on the on the block. Mason Plumlee, again, might not be there by the end of the year. They, I mean, if they're an under 500 team at the trade deadline, it really would not shock me to see him, uh, to see them move off of uh, some of these guys and just embrace the youth movement. Kelly Oubre could be gone as well. I mean, Cody Martin is uh, is there as well, who he had re-signed and uh, really like his game. I think he's, uh, he's pretty good. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I always get the Martin twins confused. Roast me if I'm wrong, but they just don't have a very experienced roster. And I'm very curious what that's going to amount to. And the bigs are going to be the first ones to either be kind of cut or they're going to be the first ones to really benefit from this. So Kai Jones, the reason he, or excuse me, Mark Williams, I'll get to Kai Jones in a minute. The reason Mark Williams would probably be stepping up and make Mason Plumlee expandable is you, you upgraded defense. I said it in the first like five minutes ago. Uh, that Steve Clifford loves defense and he makes guys better at defense. Mark Williams, while he does have some concerns on the perimeter, would be, and we documented that all throughout the draft process, that would be a little bit negated, I think, under Steve Clifford. I think he'd find a way to maximize that and he would be an outstanding rookie defender at center, which is not always the easiest thing. Centers have a long learning curve, I think, a lot of times. I mean, we've seen it across the board. It's not uncommon for centers to be late bloomers so Mark Williams, I think if he has a first uh, a first year where he doesn't have that learning curve, that's huge for him. And at this point, like the passing, the only difference between Mason Plumlee's passing and Mark Williams is, and I'm underselling Plumlee's passing because he is one of the best passing centers in the league. But the big difference is Mason Plumlee can actually run in transition and be a ball handler in transition, or at least a passer in transition. Mark Williams can't, at least that we know if he didn't do it at Duke. And he also... I don't know if he's as nifty out of the post playmaking as Mason Plumlee is like 
but that's something that I think he'll get better at. The transition is probably the big difference maker. But you look at defenses better. The scoring will probably be the same because he's just going to dominate and pick and rolls. And he's massive. He has a 9-9 nine, nine standing reach, like 7-5, seven, 7-6 seven, wingspan, 7-7, seven, seven, something like that. It's utterly absurd. He's a monster physically. So I think – I personally think Mark Williams is going to be um, the first one to benefit. I think Kai Jones is another one who could. Uh, but Nick Richards is somebody who I haven't seen a ton of him. I know a lot of Hornets people do like him. He just has to improve his decision-making. So technically he would probably actually be first, but it wouldn't shock me if Mason Plumley, uh, or excuse me, uh, Mark Williams gets to be in that mix of replacing Mason Plumley as the starting center. You might see Nick Richards be a backup competing with, uh, you know, Mark Williams, but it's hard to say this far out. I would put my money on Mark Williams being the guy to overtake uh, Mason Plumlee. And for me, that's a that's a big move for the youth movement. I don't know what the wins amount to. Generally, young players do not add win winning basketball nearly as much as veterans, especially guys who are in their 10th plus year. Like Mason Plumlee, he's the most experienced player on the team. Or excuse me, he's the second most. He has nine, nine years. This is year 10. But generally, a year 10 player is going to be much more impactful to winning than even a good rookie. So... Hard to say. Um, all that to say, watch for Mark Williams. I think he starts personally by game 40. And if he's starting by game 40, actually, that sounds too bold. I think he's starting by game 50, which is around February, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's like early, mid-February. It's right right in line with the trade deadline. And Mason Plumlee's out. You can trade him. I uh, don't know what his contract is. I probably should have looked that up uh, before I started talking. So, Forgive me on that as I try and find it. Um, it looks like, uh, actually, yeah, it looks like this is year three of three. So it's very realistic. He's out the door. And Mark Williams, if they want to do that, this is the easy path to the youth movement. I'll talk about uh, the other guys in the mix as well, Kai Jones and JT Thor in just a second, but quick word from our sponsors. So, Wanting to continue here with uh, JT Thor and Kai Jones. I think they're really fascinating second-year players who could enter in the mix of starting minutes even, or at least heavy rotation minutes at power forward and center. Kai Jones is easy to play with another center because he's he's a traditional, or he's not a traditional, but he is a center. I would classify him as such. Um, he is 6'11", 218. He's a little bit skinny still, but he can stretch the floor, has some ability to take guys off the dribble. He did in Texas, at least. I don't know how that's translating to the NBA. Moves really well on defense. Doesn't do a lot in between those two things. He doesn't really pass. Um, he's a good rebounder, but you know he's not, not going to facilitate. With the ball in his hands, he's going to do, he's going to score or might just do keep the ball moving, like just Top of the key, all right, find the guys of the wings. And I, I apologize for blinding you with my hands as I'm talking visually. But, um, you know, Ty Jones is a mobile center. He can shoot. That's enough if, going back to Mason Plumley. I never thought I would give Mason Plumley this much attention. But if Mason Plumley is staying, P.J. Washington is injured or something, you know, they might experiment uh, with Ty Jones at power forward. The issue with Ty Jones is the, the tools are really good. I don't think that's why he's not playing because he really didn't play much either last year. Um, he only played, what was it, like 20 games. So he he's still very raw and it shows. His decision-making on both ends is rough. There was a game in summer league. He tried going coast to coast for absolutely no reason. And he was the center. He was like, I mean, there was it was him, 
JT Thor, and then like guards. And he was like, all right, this is my time. And then they lost the game because of it. So, um, you know, I think, I think Kai Jones really needs to brush up his decision-making. That's always been his biggest swing factor. It's not really ever been, can he shoot? Can he defend? That stuff's almost staples for his game. It's just processing the game quickly, more effectively. Can he do that? JT Thor, on the other hand, is somebody who is raw. And yes, he does also need to handle those, you know, quick decisions a little bit better. Um, Probably on defense a little bit more, honestly, just to be more consistent. But he also needs that strength there. Offensively, I think he's going to be doing a couple of things this year, at least. He's going to spot up and he's going to be at the dunker spot. In theory, he should be able to do things in between that, which are catch and drives, simply isolation. I think he has a good enough uh, ability to get to the rim. I don't think he has a great handle or anything, but given the fact that he's about 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", somewhere around there, um, I've heard all three. So uh, basketball reference lists him at 6'10". We'll go with that his ability to at least put the ball on the floor and takes take somebody onto the rim. He has a quick first step. I think that's going to do a lot for him. Personally, if you move either P.J. Washington or uh, Mason Plumley, I think he might have to be the first power forward candidate you put there because I think you can play Mark Williams and J.T. Thor together. I think you can play P.J. Washington and J.T. Thor opposite ways. You can play Kai Jones and J.T. Thor they have a lot of flexibility with how they do that. Um, so there's a lot of options there. I think he can be a good enough defender. Again, though, this begs the question, how much are the Hornets trying to win? I doubt Steve Clifford is out there trying to command the tank out to get Victor Wembanyama. So to me, that's a big that's a big question mark. Is Are, they, are these guys going to take a step forward? They invested a lot in the G League for these players. And then also... Can they trust them to be year one, or I guess this year players, year two for a lot of these, year two players to impact winning and help them stay afloat near the play-in? Because they're about to be in three years of the play-in, three playing games in three years. Um, they need to change that. That is, They got to get over the hump. There's two ways to do it. You take the risk, these young guys, somebody emerges as a really good building block, or the more likely way is, hey, Bottom out, trade Mason Plumley. You might have to swallow a tough pill, but you'll get a good return and trade PJ Washington. You could another avenue, uh, pretty much actually, those are the big two to get down in the 2023 draft. That would do a lot. You get, I mean, we we talked for the last few weeks. This class is stacked. I mean, it is it is ridiculous. My top five included guys that there are two guys that I left out, the Thompson twins and Derek Whitehead. They would have been top three, top four this last year. It's ridiculous. It is a loaded class. It, it rivals 2021, maybe even 2018. This is a year to say, all right, we don't want to be in the playing game again. Maybe can we just try and find a great talent at the top, get some lottery luck, something like that. They don't need to go like what the Spurs are about to do and just fully tank, but they do probably need to edge in favor of that losing games for long-term upside play. And the Hornets... It's a tough pill to swallow given the fact they just drafted a, 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 a star. He's an all-star in year two, Lamelo Ball. It's really hard to tank with somebody like that. Granted, the Thunder have been doing it. Um, with SGA, Not, I, I, I think they're pretty similar tiered players. It's, it's hard. The other avenue you could do is you trade P.J. Washington as a ex- future expiring for somebody with maybe Gordon Hayward, and you get a good value, maybe somebody who – I don't even know who's on the market to do this, but it's an option. 
maybe you do it at the trade deadline. I think it's best if you do it preseason. The big one I've always seen is Gordon Hayward for Russell Westbrook. Not a fan of it. I do not want to see Terry Rozier. Uh, I guess Rozier would probably have to go, but I do not want to see Lamelo Ball and um, Russell Westbrook together, even though they kind of would work for Lamelo. Eh, kind of stunts his development. But yeah, so this is the Charlotte Hornets uh, conversation. I've this has been circling in my mind. I'm like, what are the what is this team doing? Because it's a it's a really weird situation. I also shout out Jalen McDaniels. He's kind of similar to JT Thor. Uh, and that skinny forward who has ball skills and can play some defense, but um, he's somebody who can emerge as well. I realize I didn't shout him out, but they, the Hornets have a lot of young talent. Bryce McGowan's, like I said, is up there. James Booknight, Mark Williams, Kai Jones, JT Thor, Jalen McDaniels, Nick Richards. I mean, I, I can't remember if I said Bryce McGowan's in the guard part, but they need wings. This is a good year to tank for wings too. I mean, even if you get somebody like Cam Whitmore, a really good outcome of a draft so interested to see what they do in the next 12 months they have a very big decision i don't think there's a lot of if you tank this year it doesn't really affect next year a lot just because again pj washington's expiring mason Plumley's expiring they're going to be off the books one way or another however they determine they want to do something about it is a whole nother story but they're not changing the timeline drastically i think it's a one-year thing and for me if you chose if you told me hey you have the option to be in the play-in game and probably not make the playoffs or have a similar chance at getting a top five, top four pick. Yeah. Give me the top four pick in this next year's draft. So my take Warner should probably say, Hey, let's punt this year. It's a really hard pill, pill to swallow because you have Lamelo ball and Steve Clifford is a coach that does not want to tank. That's why he resigned from Orlando. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do and you have to have uh you have to fail to succeed. I think it was Gloria and white men can't jump. Who said something like that. When you lose, you don't always lose. Sometimes you win. Uh, it's really corny, but Hey, sometimes it's the truth, but that is my Charlotte Hornets episode. Thank you so much for listening or watching again. If you're not on YouTube, please subscribe. It would help us a lot. Um, would mean just a ton to me, Raphael, Sam in leaf, but we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do some fun stuff about uh, maybe some redraft. Who knows? Thank you and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day.